on KTOE Middays with Lisa Kay. I'm glad to have a guest in the studio after the 11 o'clock hour as we roll towards the lunch hour where it's National Cookie Day. Kent TC, focus on egg. Uh, favorite cookie? If I could give you a cookie right now, do you have a favorite? Oh, it's always chocolate chip all the time. Chocolate chip? <laughs> yeah, yum. That sounds good. We were talking about uh, earlier, should have done the show, taking the show on the road to that new... Uh, crumble cookies that's have you been to that yet no i haven't i've heard about it but i haven't been there the cookies are like cake they're they're huge yeah and delicious well happy cookie day it's also dice day if you roll the dice um but we're here talking about egg focus on egg how have you been doing good doing good and yeah. uh enjoying the nice fall weather i guess late fall into early winter and um doesn't this feel weird it is a little weird, you know. You think about a year ago at this time, we were, we had had over a foot of snow, and it was cold, and it was just kind of miserable. And uh, <clears throat> outside of a few days here, and in the last six weeks, uh, it's been pretty nice. Yeah, it's unseasonably warm. <clears throat> not ready for. I've got the holiday decorations up, but we're not. I I can't really get into the whole. Christmas thing. We have some specials going on, the 12 deals of big deals going on right now on KTOE.com where things are on sale. And I just did a story I thought about, uh, it was a perfect story to share before you came in about uh, the folks in Sweden who have created this new weed picking robot to cut down on the amount of pesticides that they're using and herbicides and things like that. And the AI technology that they're putting into the equipment right now, I like, it's mind blowing to me. Uh, probably won't be in the United States until like 2030, they said. But um, there's a, a robot that rolls through the fields and pick, picks weeds. <clears throat> I would guess uh, it, you know, we'll see technology like that. You know, it's <laughs> so you know, strange. With, within the last, you know, decade, and it's become more prevalent as robotic milkers, where they have, yeah, they milk cows basically with robotic uh, machines so uh you know i don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility and you know you you look at uh even with technology now where uh we can spray fields or apply fertilizer Mm -hmm. in different parts of a field based on uh gps technology and it isn't that far away uh you know we're they're talking about driverless cars well driverless tractors aren't that far away in fields either so so some of that technology is certainly out there and uh, i remember probably 25 years ago i was at some futuristic conference where they said that farmer could sit at his desk looking at a big computer screen watching his uh machinery go across the field and i thought boy this is something like the jetsons out here yeah, right? or something yeah. <laughs> i don't think this will ever happen but we're we a lot go. closer to it today than uh, than ever and uh, and as ai and some of this technology gets dovetailed in with uh, gps technology and that uh, uh i'd say it's a lot closer than we think it's crazy what they're coming up with now um hey heading back to the weather how has that been affecting our our farmers um i'm sure i mean it's great because you get all this extra time to complete your tasks but we need some moisture don't we yeah well i think as far as the first part uh, 
Uh, yeah, farmers, most farmers wrapped up harvest by end of October, or early November. So they've had basically almost another month here to do other stuff. They've gotten their equipment all shined up and put away. And uh, for a lot of farmers, uh, especially those with uh, livestock, they uh, like to get that manure put out there. So they've had time for that fall fertilizer. A lot of them have had time to fix tiles that were maybe broke or add some tile in some fields that needed some additional tile. Mm-hmm. Uh, do some of those odds and end things around the farm, whether it's clean up brush or do that, that you probably don't always get a chance to uh, when we get uh, like a year ago when uh, shortly after harvest we had early snowfall and it got very cold. Right. So. Now, uh, what I'm hearing from a lot of farmers that have done some tiling or digging in the soil, there's not a lot of moisture in the soil. Uh, You know, we went through the month of November. uh, It was kind of a quiet month, uh, you know, fairly warm, but uh, we didn't get a lot of moisture. We had a little bit of snow there, wet snow that one time, but from a precipitation standpoint, that was probably traces less than a tenth of an inch. And other than that, uh, we really didn't have much. So other than that rainfall we had kind of back in early to mid-October, uh, we kind of went through the fall. So our stored soil moisture levels are at fairly low levels in mm-hmm. most areas. So again, that's <clears throat> not a huge concern as you head into winter, but it is a concern as you look ahead to next year because... Uh, Normally, we can probably store about 9 to 10 inches of available moisture in the soil. And uh, when we're only storing, uh, you know. Yeah, where are we? Yeah, probably way less than that. I would guess in some areas it's almost nothing, maybe up to 2 or 3 inches. So we're well, normally you go into the fall, as you end fall, you're probably, like over at Wasika at the experiment station, they're probably somewhere around six to eight inches of stored soil available moisture as they head in now uh, a year ago of course we got some moisture in the spring and it kind of replenished it so it doesn't mean that we're going to be without stored soil moisture but it does uh, if we start out the year dry next year into the beginning of the year uh, uh, we won't have those reserves to draw on so it does uh, raises the concerns a little bit I think when you don't get moisture before freeze up now the good news is if we would get moisture now, uh, <clears throat> unless we get extremely cold weather, uh, some of that might still go in the soil because right. I don't think the ground is frozen <clears throat> frozen yet in most cases. So, uh, But uh, you, you, normally when you get to December is uh, uh, usually the moisture that comes is with a snowstorm and it usually gets cold and uh, most it of that does top, right? right, and most of that doesn't end up in the soil. Does it matter then how much snow we get through the winter to replenish things once it starts melting <clears throat> in the spring? How does that work? A lot depends on how deep the frost is in the soil. If if uh, we would get a lot of snow cover before it freezes real deep, sometimes uh, the ground will warm up and some of that will soak in. Uh, typically what happens is, let's say uh, we don't get a lot of snow and the ground freezes and then we get the snow a lot of times it runs off then before that happens. Sure. So, you know, like a year like last year where we had snow early and had some snow cover, uh, a lot of the frost wasn't real deep. So then when we did get the melt in the spring, some of that did soak in. So that depends on what kind of conditions we have here going mm-hmm. forward. So let's talk about profits for the year. Uh, the, the farm profits are, I, I assume, going to 
vary from yeah, place I, to place? you know, we're coming out of an interesting year. I think we've talked about it many times on this program, and certainly when you talk about profitability for the year, the first thing that comes to mind is how well did the crop perform? How well did it yield? Um, and that's kind of all over the board. I mean, if you go across the listening area or even widen that out across southern Minnesota, there's some areas that did very well. They had a really uh, good year. Uh, overall, I don't think probably most people had quite as good a year as a year ago because everything was uniform. But, uh, you know, there's some places, especially you get down <clears throat> on the I-90 corridor where they caught some timely rains and had really uh, some exceptional yields. Then you get in some other areas uh, where it was really dry, and if the rain didn't come at the right time, uh, the yields were down quite a bit, probably down 20 30% mm. from their normal yields. So, uh, you know, you had that. That was kind of your variation. I think in general, a lot of farmers were would say better than expected because given the amount of rain we had in the growing season, a lot of farmers only had 50 to 75% of their normal rainfall, oh, yeah. and they still got, you know, really respectable yields. Now, a lot of farmers, if they farmed several farms, uh, had a lot of variation where they had some that was really good and some that maybe uh, wasn't quite as good. And so that's probably going to be a big factor, I think, in profitability. Kind of right along with that is crop insurance because those farmers that... Uh, didn't have quite as good of yields, probably depending on the kind of crop insurance coverage they have. And there's a big variation there as well. Do farmer, you know, some farmers carry 85 to 90% coverage of crop insurance. Some only carry 75 or 80%. Uh, and then you can insure each farm individually, or you can insure all your acres together. Oh, sure. okay. So again, if a farmer uh, pays the extra premium to insure each farm individually <clears throat> their odds were a lot better that they probably collected payments because there was of what we talked about first there was a lot of variation in yield right. so so you're going to have a lot of variation there and then <clears throat> the other big factor is the marketing uh, we had, at the beginning of the year uh, the corn price was over six dollars a bushel six to six fifty a bushel and right now it's closer to 450 to 475 a bushel. Mm. So if you locked in some prices earlier on on either corn or soybeans compared to what the prices are now, uh, or uh, a lot of farmers were still selling some of last year's crop, and if they sold it pretty early in the year, uh, they probably captured some extra profits. So when and uh, what market price they got and when they probably took advantage of those markets will also weigh in pretty heavily on the overall profitability for the year. I know you talked corn and soybeans. What about livestock? <clears throat> well, the livestock picture's been uh, a little cloudier, I think. Uh, <clears throat> I guess for those farmers that have uh, beef cattle, we don't raise a lot of beef cattle in the area, but the beef, uh, whether you have a cow-calf operation or if you're feeding cattle and selling them, a pretty good year. There were some pretty good profit margins in beef production. Um, on the flip side, the dairy side of things uh, had really negative profit margins all year. Uh, fortunately for a lot of small to medium-sized dairy operations, 
<clears throat> they were able to cap capitalize on dairy margin coverage payments through the government program to help out a little, but still very low profits. And, of course, this area is big in hog production, and the numbers there have been pretty dismal for the whole year, too. Now, mm. the one thing that's helping out livestock producers is that we talked about the corn price coming down. Of course, that's a positive for right. because they feed a lot of corn to livestock and a lot of the feed costs have come down quite a bit from the beginning of the year. But the profit margins are still uh, probably below break even for most dairy and hog producers as we end the year. Lisa K on your midday and it's Kent TC, a focus on ag. And we're talking a little bit about uh, the farm bill now because the farm bill extension happened. Right. Uh, we talked, I think, uh, earlier months about the possibility of a farm bill extension, but the uh, last time they averted uh, shutting down the federal government. Mm -hmm. uh, included in that was an extension of the farm bill. Now, the, the current farm bill actually expired on September 30th. Now, uh, there's a lot of continuing types of things of funding and programs that continue, but uh, some programs... Uh, would have discontinued by the end of the year if they wouldn't have extended it. And, of course, with uh, as far as farm programs, uh, farmers are starting already planning for next year's crop year in 2024. And you get in certain parts of the country where they plant fall-seeded crops like wheat and some other crops. Uh, sure. You know, they, they're already making decisions for next year. So uh, the decision was made to just extend the farm bill for another year so it'll expire September 30th of next year. And we kind of thought that would happen, right? Yeah, we kind of thought that. And, you know, I, from a farm program standpoint, it's really not going to be a big impact, at least in our area, for with corn and soybeans. Actually, if they would have left the program the same with a new farm bill, which everybody kind of on the commodity program side... Uh, it would have probably looked very similar because uh, the nice thing is the current farm bill has some escalators built in to enhance the price protections that are in the farm bill based on because we've had some higher prices. So, so the price protection that farmers have through the farm program will be improved be, uh, going forward into next year. So uh, that'll be a good thing, especially if prices continue to stay lower or even drop further so so that's a good news and then it'll also continue crop insurance which we talked earlier about the importance of crop insurance mm -hmm. and and again uh that'll continue as it has been uh and you know i think every time there's a farm bill uh, uh there's usually provisions somebody puts forward to uh change crop insurance and sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's not always in the uh, favorable to farm producers, so uh, I think that's probably good. Uh, on the conservation side, uh, that this means CRP will continue. Okay. And there could be a, another CR round of CRP signups as well as the ongoing continuous. And one thing that would have had or did ha happen until they extended it, that kind of shut off all CRP uh, 
enrollment because that was one thing they wouldn't enroll any new. They would continue to make the payments on the sure. existing. And then uh, it also continues other conservation programs like the Conservation Security Program, uh, the Equip Program, which uh, helps farmers fund conservation practices and equipment. And there, the um, uh, there's also a lot of extra funding for those programs that came through the uh, uh, Funding Inflation Reduction Act uh, that was passed at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. Also put some more dollars in so that means those programs will continue and the other thing that continues is just to be able to service these programs for farmers through the farm service agency the natural resource conservation service and okay. because all of that funding is also uh, all usda programs are tied under the farm bill now uh, the other big one of course is the nutrition title of the farm bill like snap which, and, yeah, yeah that's your snap and your WIC programs right. and child nutrition school lunch programs and a lot of that funding is ongoing but uh, what it does it continues the programs as is uh, there were some proposals to maybe adjust or change some of those programs so that will not happen at least for 2024 it'll be down the road if it does happen at all and then you got a whole bunch of other programs that are part of usda and the farm bill everything from forestry to rural development you know a lot of the funding that goes out into rural areas for uh, fire departments emergency services uh, a lot of that your uh, uh, loan programs through usda all of that is funded under the umbrella of the farm bill so and this keeps a lot of those kind of programs uh going that may have been discontinued if we wouldn't have got a farm bill extension can we extend it past the september of next year again is, i mean is the extension <laughs> well, yeah. like can well, we just keep they, doing if, it or? what they do is they rewrite a farm bill every five years that usually includes all these programs okay. so so yeah it's uh, and you know that so it, it will continue they they have a uh, kind of a what i call a backstop when way back when when they passed first they passed the 1938 farm bill and then they revised it in 1949 <laughs> oh, oh okay but anyway that they call that the permanent farm bill or permanent farm law because there's certain provisions in there if they don't re-up the farm bill that go back to that oh and but a lot of yeah. the things like the nutrition program wasn't in there crp mm -hmm. um uh you know a lot of different a lot of crops that are currently in weren't right. in there but basically if they went back to that it would be like uh We'd probably have to pay twenty dollars a gallon for milk at the store because the <laughs> dairy price would go way up. Dairy farmers, it, it wouldn't be a good thing no. because it was all indexed back on prices back then well, to inflation. But it's, huh. uh, you know, it's kind of it'll it'll probably they're not going to let that happen right. because first of all, it would eliminate too many programs and affect too many people, and then it's not realistic what would happen with it. But it it does kind of keep the members of Congress, keep their feet to the fire sure. a little bit, that they either got to extend the current one or, or we're uh, gonna be in trouble. write a new yeah. one or else uh, there'd be some issues oh out there. Oh my goodness, so all right. That's just a little farm bill history for you that's there. That's fun, I love it, I love it. Stick around, we've got some big news with Focus on Egg. Ken TC, our guest this hour, Talk of the Town, Lisa K on your KTOE Middays. And our Focus on Egg, Kent TC, the very last Focus on Egg for 2023 as we talk to you once a month and 
That year kind of went fast. It really did. Uh, they all kind of fly by fast, it seems like. But uh, it's good that we're still doing them, I guess. And we are still doing them. And we should be talking about the fact that even though there's going to be a little bit of a life change for Kent coming up, he's still going to be hanging out with us. Um, re- retirement is on the horizon for you, like really close. Yeah, I <clears throat> I made a decision here a few months ago that uh, I'm actually going to retire from my day-to-day duties at MinStar Bank as an ag lender, and um, I guess I've actually been there 20 years, 20 so years. I've uh, put in, and that was after several years uh, with well, the University well, of Minnesota Extension Service before that, which I left in 2003, and and uh, so I, I my plan is to retire, but I'm not going to just totally uh, quit doing everything I've been doing, like uh, writing that weekly focus on ag column or doing the programs here. So continue stuff like that, continue some of my other involvement, uh, volunteer involvement I do with uh, 4-H and youth activities, youth livestock shows and youth activities, some of them through uh, like Crystal Welcome Memorial and that type of thing. And uh, probably do a little... uh, consulting uh in addition to that some speaking on ag issues so well then i suppose i want to take you all the way back to where it is that you started from in the ag community because many people don't know well actually i don't I, think i know the story i actually got out when i got out of college and uh, <clears throat> what a lot of people don't know when i first got out of college i I had decided I wanted to go into the extension service with the University of Minnesota. Right. At that time, they, you know, times were tough. They had a hiring freeze. So I actually, for almost a year, was a livestock buyer with the Hormel Food Company buying hogs out in the country. Oh, wow. I, that was my first job out of college. Really? But then I did get involved <clears throat> after that. I, I uh, followed what I wanted to do and got in the extension service. I worked in three different counties. I started out up in west central Minnesota in Swift County, which is Benson, Minnesota, mm-hmm. west of Wilmer out there. And then I spent eight years down in Laverne and Rock County, the corner county of Minnesota. Sure. Uh, borders South Dakota and Iowa, close to Sioux Falls there. Uh, and that was during the 1980s, the rough times in agriculture. and. And then I came here in 1987 to Blue Earth County and <clears throat> moved to Lake Crystal and been there ever since. And I uh, was in the extension service until 2003 and then um, started at MinStar Bank and been there for 20 years. 20 years flies as by, a, doesn't it? Right? As an ag lender. And yeah, it's been uh, interesting, you know, uh, you know, we were visiting earlier about technology and how things have changed in agriculture and uh, we've seen a lot of changes uh, in that, those 20 years. Uh, a lot of changes in farming and agriculture, but a lot of changes in just how we operate at the bank. Uh, again, uh, technology, uh, you know, we were just talking about uh, fi- when the markets were on, how farmers can access that information or other information yeah. on their cell phones. Uh, you know, you look... Uh, you go on a combine today where a farmer's con- uh, or a tractor and it looks, uh, it looks like uh, they're an airplane pilot. They got so many different screens in there and different <laughs> things. And it can give you up to the minute data as you're going across the field and stuff like that. It's just amazing uh, what we've seen. We've seen it in our own lives, obviously, with 
technology and different stuff, but it certainly has really played out in a big way in agriculture and, and in banking and right. how we do our banking. And whatever industry you're in, you have to keep up on that in order to move forward and right, keep right. up with the times, right? You know, I mean, you think about how many people nowadays do most of their banking online. They don't even go in a bank anymore. And, right. And they, you know... If, if you ask somebody for cash, uh, they got to search to find cash because everything's on card. You know, so it's it, it has totally changed. And most of that's happened in the time I've been at the bank. And um, I'm guessing it's going to continue to change uh, as, as we go forward. It seems like the wheel spins a little faster on new developments, new technologies. and But what stays the same for you? Like, what stays the, the same? You know, I think what stays the same is the people. Uh, you know, uh, when I was in the extension service in ag lending, both of those are still people business. And even though we got the technology and all that, there's still a people component. And uh, especially when you get out here in greater Minnesota, uh, people like to do business with people they know, people they trust, mm-hmm. and uh, I think like the tech is more of a tool, right? Right, it's right. a tool, and so I think that part is still the same. And so I think uh, again, those folks that can kind of uh, or businesses that are able to kind of capture that to take advantage of the technologies, but still keep the service and the people part of it are the ones that have been successful and will be successful. Right. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you're going to continue on. I know that a lot of people, when when they retire, uh, it's kind of like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. It sounds to me like you're continuing on with the things that you're passionate about, right? That uh, mm-hmm. That you're still going to be writing the column. You're still going to be emailing that out to people. Right. So. Yeah. We'll continue to do that. Send it out via email and... Uh, to whatever media sources want it. And like I said, we'll... uh, So next month we'll have a new... Like I always ask you at the end of our time together, where can people... Send. send Right. The the only difference will be it'll come out from... It won't come out from MinStar Bank anymore. It'll come out from somewhere else. And uh, we'll have a new email address, but we'll share that next time. It's still Focus on Ag, right? Right. We're still going to call it Focus on Ag. And then you're still going to come in here and keep me company once a month, right? Right. We'll still continue to do that as long as you want to have me coming here. I, I get a little nervous when my people start to retire. I'm like, well, you're my Ag guy, so hmm. Good luck. Congratulations to you. I'm so glad that you're here and that you're going to continue on with me and um, looking forward to you enjoying your retirement and, and continuing on with all of your passions. Well, thank you and looking forward to that. And uh, thanks to all the people that have listened all these years to as we've had these chats. And yeah, you go way back with Pete Steiner. How long are we on with Pete? I don't know. Way back. Way time. back. Yeah. Now Pete's I think, retired. Now I think it's we your kind thing. of started the show way back. So um, it was, uh, yeah, a lot of good memories there and certainly continued with you. And I guess the last thing I would say, I just want to wish everyone a uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, safe holiday season. I know we're a lot of tra- traveling and Hopefully we continue with some nice weather for people traveling around. Yeah, it's supposed to be a busy travel season. And we'll say uh, that we'll look forward to seeing you in 2024, the then newly retired Kent TC. Right. Focus on egg. <laughs> Sounds Thank good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kent. Always good to have you in.